Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 466 with Wade Foster. We are talking about automation, which I think you will dig because one thing I've heard from y'all is there's a bunch of stuff to do, maybe more than you can handle. And it's dizzying. It's exhausting. You're distracted. There's a lot of different priorities trying to grab your attention in a lot of different directions. And how do you even get home at a reasonable hour and have a shred of work-life balance? Maybe that was a little overdramatic, but the struggle is real. And Wade has some real solutions. So you'll learn one. Just how much time you can save through automation. Two, where automation works and where it doesn't. And three, some of the latest low-cost software tools to optimize your workflow. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find it over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep466. And if you don't want to tap that many buttons to get to the show notes, you can move. Is that a word? Swipe and move and shimmy on over into your podcast playing app if you expand it to episode notes or show notes or show details or episode details. Different apps call them different things. You can see the links to the items that we've referenced here as well as to the show notes in a jiffy. But it'd still be great to have you visit awesomeatyourjob.com. If you do, you can catch every episode tagged by topic and confidency covered as well as see some of the favorite episodes, which are also at the beginning of the podcast feed in between episode zero, start here, and episode one, Maui Asgadam, we got A, B, C, D, E, F, which are some listener favorites. Anywho, that's that story. Here's Wade's story. Wade Foster is the co-founder and CEO of the San Francisco, aren't they always based in San Francisco? Company Zapier, a company offering a service that makes it easy to move data among web apps to automate tedious tasks. It's true, it works, I've used it, man, I dig it. He, along with co-founder Mike Noop, was featured in Forbes' 30 Under 30 for Enterprise Tech. Big thanks to Wade for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here is Wade. Wade, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pete. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to dig into this conversation. I have used your tool Zapier before. But first, I want to hear the tale of you playing the saxophone. I, too, was a, a sax player in high school and marching band at the Missouri Governor's Mansion. Oh, goodness. Uh, so I was... <laughs> I played saxophone for a long time. I started playing in fifth grade and 
my instructor have a quartet that played at the governor's mansion in Jeff City regularly um, at the time. And they had a member of the quartet who who moved, who moved out of the state. And so they needed a fourth member on, on pretty short notice. And for whatever reason, they, in their infinite wisdom, they thought, let's invite this ninth grader to, to come play <laughs> with us at the governor's mansion. And so they say, hey, Wade, come, come to our rehearsal, come to come do a trial run. And, you know, I walk in and I'm probably, I don't know, four, seven and, you know, don't even weigh a hundred pounds, like, you know, sopping wet or anything like that. And they're like, you know, and they give me a go and they say, Hey, Hey, try this out. And, and for whatever reason, I must not have done too bad because they said, why don't you come play at the governor's mansion? I ended up getting to play over the governor's mansion, you know, quite a few times over the course of the next year. And then eventually a new governor came around and he had, you know, different entertainment I guess, interests. No saxophones for me. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so we weren't invited back after that, but oh, it was a ton of fun for the, for as a ninth grader. I mean, I loved it. Did that shape your political views? The uh, <laughs> <laughs> play for one administration and not the other? <laughs> yeah. As a ninth grader, my views on, you know, <laughs> I guess the, the political landscape were, were pretty rudimentary at the time. I was just like, let's play saxophone. This sounds fun. <laughs> hmm. Well, the sax is fun, and uh, I would take a crack at a terrible segue of, just as the saxophone has many buttons to push down, <laughs> so too can automation have a lot of different layers and buttons and approaches. So that's the topic du jour. And before we get into the nitty gritty of what to automate and how to automate, I'd love to get your overall kind of philosophy on automation. Like, why is it helpful? When is it not? Lay it on us. Yeah, I think automation is going to be one of the sort of defining, you know, topics of the next decade or so. And you see, you know, I think the way the mainstream press talks about it, it's often pretty scary. You know, they're talking about how, you know, robots, especially in manufacturing, it's a it's a scary topic. But the way we see automation at Zapier, and we, we see this across, you know, we have, I don't know, something around 4 million users now. And most of the people doing automation tend to be, uh, you know, knowledge workers. It tends to be white collar folks in professional jobs. Uh, they're business owners, or maybe they're um, entrepreneurs themselves, or sometimes they're, you know, or many times they're just a person in a job, you know, whether it's in marketing or in sales or uh, a data analyst or an engineer or a real estate agent or a lawyer or whatever, who sort of is using a, a suite of tools, you know, maybe it's, um, some marketing software, maybe it's some some sales software, some customer support software. And oftentimes they're doing pretty manual stuff on a day-to-day basis. Maybe they're, you know, downloading a list of leads out of a out of you know Facebook or LinkedIn and then uploading those into a CRM. Or uh, maybe they've got a bunch of files that they're, you know, pulling out and collecting from forms and they're making those sure those get sent to the to the specific parties, but all of us kind of have stuff like that that we do on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. Maybe you're a podcaster and you get transcripts manually delivered to you, uh, you know, and you're trying to find ways to to not do that stuff. And so I think automation is a way that you can really take some of this Monday stuff that you're doing every day, that you're doing every week, and find a better way to do it to really just not have to do that stuff anymore and allow you to focus on the creative parts of your job, focus on the things that really deliver value and and leave the stuff that computers are good for to the computers. 
Mm-hmm. Certainly. Or just get home earlier. <laughs> it's like, hey, I didn't have to do that. Well, I'll just head home now. Yeah, Thank you see very you much. tomorrow. <laughs> the work is done. Okay, so a real time saver there. Now, automation sounds in some ways kind of big and spooky, not just because the robots are going to, you know, yep. destroy and enslave the human race like Terminator, but <laughs> also just because, oh boy, do I need to know like scripts and APIs and codes and developers involved? Like that just seems like too much for many of us. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that's nifty about Zapier. I've used it a little bit myself. So why don't you orient those who are not familiar What's it do? How's it go? Yeah. So, you know, it used to be you did have to do that. You needed developers and scripts and APIs, but with Zapier, you don't. We use a sort of simple metaphor called triggers and actions to help you set up automations. And so a trigger is an event that might happen in any sort of software that you use. So maybe it's someone fills out a form that's on your website. Maybe you have a contact form or a lead form or uh, you know, any sort of form. Maybe you're collecting data for an RSVP for an event. Uh, it, when someone does that thing, that's called the trigger. Uh, and then the action is, what do you want Zapier to do for you when that happens? So if you say like a contact form on a website, well, when someone fills out this contact form on the website, the action, I want them to log that person's detail in my CRM so that I can make sure to follow up with them and communicate with them later. So Zaps at Zapier follow that simple trigger action logic, uh, and it has a really simple UI to set some of this stuff up. And in fact, a lot of the use cases are out of the box where you don't even have to, you know, understand what a trigger and action is. You can just turn that stuff on, um, and it helps you automate all sorts of different things that you might want to do around uh, your job. That's so cool. You know, and I was just thinking recently about Zapier. is very fortuitous the timing, just because. So in my huge listener survey, thank you so much, listeners, <laughs> for, for spending that time there. You know, something came up associated with community, and, and that's something I'm trying to figure out and build, and am I, how do I do that? Boy, is it even manageable with, you know, so many thousands of people that probably need to be paid to have fewer folks. But, but anyway, as I'm going through the ins and outs, you know, one thing that came up was listeners would love the opportunity to be able to chime in and share their questions associated with a guest as soon as they learn that a guest is going to be interviewed. And I thought Zapier is pretty cool in that I could say, hey, Calendly is what I use for booking, mm-hmm. which is really easy way to set appointments. I could say, yo, Zapier, when I get a new booking for a podcast interview, I want you to share that information over in a Slack channel for the you know listener community to announce like, hey, Wade Foster is being interviewed on this day. Here's what he submitted. And then they could just have at it without me having to remember, oh, shucks, I need to kind of find and copy and paste the uh, <laughs> booking info inside the community Slack channel so folks have the opportunity to chime in and say things. Totally. So what's so cool is that once you're just aware that tools like this exist, you sort of start to see opportunities. And I think that's pretty exciting. Totally. And I think, you know, that example you just shared is a great one because you sort of stumbled across a use case that helps you solve a very specific problem. And now once you have that skill in your skill set, you can start to refine these things. You might say, hey, you know, I'm glad that I'm getting all this feedback in Slack. But now when I go interview Wade, I have to go find that Slack channel or that Slack thread. And it's, you know, it's buried because it was a couple weeks old. So maybe I don't want him to put it in a Slack thread. So maybe I'll have this app set up uh, when a Calendly event gets booked. I'll have Zapier generate a form and then I'll post a link to the form in Slack so that then when I got to talk to Wade, I just pull up 
a spreadsheet that's got a bunch of questions in it and I have them all right in front of me. Uh, and it's a little easier to find that stuff. So your mind can, like, once you sort of get the hang of automation, you can start to go, well, you know, I, I like this basic thing, but, you know, I could tweak it a little bit and get a little bit more out of it and customize it to the needs that I have. Um, and so I think that's when automation becomes really fun uh, because you have that, you know, ability to let your creativity go wild on the problems that are unique to you. Mm-hmm. Well, so I guess that's sort of the thing is like everyone's going to have their own unique things and it's sort of hard to say, you know, this is like the top thing you must automate, but <laughs> nonetheless, I'm going to take a crack at it. Could you maybe share with us a story of someone who, who used Zapier or some other automation tools out there to see just like tremendous like time savings and career and life benefits in action? Yeah. You know, I think one of the ones that I really loved is um, there was this... Uh, <laughs> This company that started in Australia and they run um, an on-demand lawn mowing service. And what the way it works? <laughs> I'd like to hire that. <laughs> yeah, right. So the way you know, it's kind of like yeah. Uber, right? You you know, you'll hail a, a car to come pick you up. Well, this is you, you hail a, a person with a lawnmower to come mow your yard. Uh, and so, you know, if you start start to think about like what you know, what are the problems that you have to do to run a mowing service like that? It's like, well, you need a website, you need an order form where someone or or a mobile app where people can say, Hey, I want to book this thing. And when they get booked, you need to be able to send an alert out to the people who have, you know, lawn mowers to say, Hey, who wants to come do this thing? And then you need to let the person who booked it know that you've got someone available. And so, or you can just have a person just paying attention to the form and then doing all the Mac matchmaking on, uh, manually. Well, what this person did was said, you know what? Here's how I'm going to set this up. When people request a lawnmower to come in, I'm going to have that get published uh, automatically through Zapier into uh, a spreadsheet. And in the spreadsheet, I'm going to have that trigger out a, a message via Twilio that goes out to our people who are currently marked as available for, um, to come mow the lawn. Oh, Twilio, that's a client of mine. So like a text message then? Yeah, text there message. There you go. Oh, they're so smart. Those yeah, Twilions. someone wants their lawn <laughs> mowed, right? And then the first person to reply to it then gets assigned to it. So it gets marked back into the spreadsheet to say, you know, I, you know, Bob's going to come mow the lawn. And then via another text message, it publishes back to the customer that says, hey, you know, Bob's coming to mow your lawn. So this thing that would have been like a pretty manual matchmaking service is now run by like a couple zaps behind the scenes. Uh, and so as a result, the business spends most of its time just trying to find more people, more customers and find more lawnmowers. They don't have to worry about the matchmaking process themselves. And you know what's so cool about that is someone would say, imagine, you know, we recently had a chat about side hustles with Nick Loper. Mm-hmm. But if someone were starting that as like a side hustle and they think, oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard. I got to build a mobile app that has all oh, this yeah. like connectivity with all these people. And then no, they just sort of hacked together like with Google Sheets and some other stuff at, at Zapier, mm-hmm. a means of getting the job done without the huge investment Uber or Lyft or some such has made in an app. <laughs> totally, right? Those folks made hundreds of millions of dollars to build their stuff. And this person did it with a handful of apps, right? <laughs> that is cool. That's cool. Well, so that's a pretty cool use case. So let's talk about those professionals you mentioned, the lawyer, the real estate agent, the knowledge worker, the engineer, some stuff that is super popular and effective and helpful to automate, you know? Yeah. 
like it shows up again and again and again, and the time savings can be substantial. Yeah. The thing that I see happening over and over again is sort of managing like requests and interactions and relationships with other people. So you often see this in the form of customer relationships. Uh, you know, a, a customer or a lead or a prospect fills out a form on a website and let's make sure that they get logged in our CRM or logged in our mailing list. Uh, or get put, uh, you know, that, a, that the sales rep gets a text message to say, hey, you should call this lead or something like that. But oftentimes it can be internal employees. Uh, you know, think about like an HR function. They have a form set up that says, hey, who's going to come to the holiday f- party? Like fill out this form real quick so we know how much food to order and, you know, who who should like what your, you know, dietary restrictions are and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, get logged in a spreadsheet and then text the person a response back or sends them an email to say, hey, we got your we got your order and, you know, we've got you, you know, booked to, to get the chicken at the holiday party or whatever. Uh, and that all sort of happens automatically. But there's a lot of use cases around just managing and communicating with people, uh, whether it's customers or employees or fans or your community or things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Next up, I was thinking about what you should not automate. And I guess what I'm thinking about, I think it was Ryan Dice, and he was talking about when you automate outbound marketing messages <laughs> too much, <laughs> you have a real risk of embarrassing yourself and looking dumb. And I think that I've seen that with PR people reaching out to totally. me like, hey, Pete, we think so-and-so would be great for your podcast. Like, yeah, I've already <laughs> had them on my podcast. Like, yeah. so this happens to me multiple times a week. And I mean, that's a whole conversation. Like. Isn't that the first thing you did was figure out what shows this guy's getting booked on so you can like have totally. great recommendations for applicable shows? But whatever, not here to, you know, throw publicists under the bus. <laughs> um, I would talk about some of the risks or where is it unwise? And I think that's one zone is I think if you let automation run amok on sort of outbound messages. Yeah. Non-opt-in channels, like things yeah. like that are real. you know, you, you know, you obviously don't want to go buy an email list and then like upload the system and then bulk spam a bunch of people. That doesn't feel good. But when you have a form that a customer filled out and you're sending them a confirmation email to say, Hey, we got your request. Um, like people expect that that feels normal. So like, I think those are pretty safe when you're talking about direct customer communication. And then I think things around just making sure that that information gets logged in the right system so that you can track that stuff. You know, did you get a project spun up in your project management tool? Did you get them logged in, you know, Airtable or a spreadsheet so that you have that and know to follow up on those things? Kind of the the back office paperwork type stuff, um, you know, rather than the direct customer interaction, but how to make sure that you're properly managing the relationship. That kind of stuff is like a sweet spot for automation, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's there's one sweet spot. We talk about the customer requests and getting them processed and connected and moving to where they need to go. Any other kind of broad categories that show up a lot? The other big one we see a lot is things like, how do you just collect all of the inputs for like a project? Think of project management at work, or you got a program that's running and you know, you're getting feedback in this play, like in a, something like Jira, you're getting uh, requests that come in from a customer via email, you're getting a, a feature request that comes from your boss, like you're getting all these inputs from all these different directions. Uh, and Zapier can help you consolidate a lot of that into one centralized system, whether it's a spreadsheet or Airtable or a CRM or a project management tool that basically says, all this information that's coming at me from 10 different places, all of which is important, 
And I don't want to go check different 10 different places. I want to just see it in one list. That's a place where Zapier is just super helpful for people who um, do project management and things like of this nature. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, so now I want to get even more precise. When it comes to Zapier, like what are the kind of absolute kind of most used zaps in terms of when I get an email about this, I want you to put it in Google Sheets like that. So in terms of when this program does this, you know, trigger action, what combos are you seeing like have, you know, bajillions of uh, <laughs> of sort of installations or usages? Yeah, I think any sort of things like, you know, a customer paid me or someone filled out my form on my website or someone sent me an email that posts a message into Slack, sends you an alert, says, hey, this thing happened. Uh, that's really, really uh, 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 popular. Also things like, you know, I have a, I got a lead through Facebook. A lead came in through Facebook or LinkedIn or Google and I want to make sure a sales rep follows up on it instantly. Uh, so I automatically route that into Salesforce or some other CRM, things like that, really popular on Zapier. Okay. And I've wondered this before because I've clicked around Zapier. So now if you don't have the thing that I want, can I find a developer to go make that for me? Yeah. So there's a couple of things you can do if we don't have what you want. So we have things like um, our inbound email action. So if the app you have are working with that isn't supported by Zapier, but it sends out email alerts, you can use that to have emails forwarded into Zapier. Uh, you can use things like RSS, um, which if it generates an RSS feed, we accept RSS. If the service provides webhooks, which is kind of a more technically thing, but usually not that hard to, to learn, even if you're not a developer, you just point the webhook at Zapier and say, Zapier, accept this. Uh, and if we, your service you're working with doesn't have any of those things, you can go track down a developer or a Zapier expert at zapier.com slash experts. We have a whole list of experts that help um, with more complicated workflows and say, hey, can you help me get Zapier to work with this tool where I might need a developer to dig under the hood and play around with some code and some APIs a little bit? Um, so there's a lot. So that's kind of the way that most folks approach it. Well, that's cool to hear because, you know, I have at times, you know, I visited Upwork.com and found some people to code some things for me. Okay, so if folks are digging this and they say, I want to get started, I imagine you'd say, well, go to Zapier.com. But uh, what are some other tips or strategies you recommend for folks who want to start automating and offloading some of the stuff they're doing all the time? That's a great question. I was talking to one of our experts and he made this comment that automation isn't a, is a mindset. It's not a skill, which I thought was interesting. And the reason he said that was most people don't even think about automation when they think about their to-do list on a given day. And so he said, one of the ways that I train people to get better at this is to start writing down, uh, what do you do every day? Just write it down on a piece of paper. Or when you write down your to-do list, don't think, uh, how am I going to do this? Instead, think, how does this get done? Uh, and shifting the way you think about your to-do list to what do, you know, not I have to do this to how does this get done? starts to open your mind up to, well, perhaps I can delegate that thing to Zapier. Or maybe I delegate something like this to an EA. Uh, or maybe I delegate this to a person that's on my team. Um, 
but there's other ways to get stuff done that don't always involve you specifically directly doing the task. And I thought that was such a smart way to help folks get into that automation mindset, to step back and really understand where are you spending time on stuff on a day-to-day basis that maybe you don't need to be spending that time on those things. Mm -hmm. Okay, that is cool mindset shift. And um, are there any other tools you recommend in terms of getting the job done? So Zapier is handy and flexible and can do a lot, but things that either make automation happen or just keep work processes from being, uh, you know, too boring or cumbersome. (laughs) You know, I think there's the other up and comer alongside Zapier that I see a lot is Airtable. So Airtable is kind of like a a souped up spreadsheet database type tool. And it's kind of, it's hard to like describe it in a way that sounds really fun and interesting, but boy, do people love it. Um, They start to get their hands on it and they just find all sorts of interesting ways to to do automation with Zapier and Airtable and uh, better manage a lot of projects and work that they've got coming in. So uh, Airtable, similar to Zapier, we have you know a list of zaps all over the site that you can check out and use. Airtable also has their universe and their gallery that shows all the different ways you can use Airtable, um, which I think is a pretty fun place to go exploring. Okay, so now I'll tell you this. I have heard Airtable mentioned here and there, but I don't actually have any conception of what it is. I'm on Airtable.com right now. Not it's to... <laughs> like a spreadsheet, but it's like better. You know, it's it's hard to say because it's one of those things that you just have to like play with. And then as soon as you play with it for a little bit, you're like, oh, I see why this is better. But until okay. you do, it's one of those things that people will go, yeah, I guess, you know, I use spreadsheets and, you know, I think spreadsheets are good. So I, I don't know. You should get, uh, you should have oh. Howie come on your podcast and he can tell you. Well, it's intriguing because I'm seeing right now there's an air table. It looks like a spreadsheet, but they also have photos in there and notes in there. And those are kind of hard to do to stick a photo in an Excel or a Google sheet. Totally. And you can put files in them. Okay. So you can just like stuff more things in them, more like a database, like what you do yeah. with the database. But then they can you can visualize it in all sorts of ways. So you can turn your spreadsheet into like a like a Kanban board, kind of like Trello would be. Uh, or you can have, you can do a bunch of pivot tables, but in a way that you don't have to know what a pivot table is. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, oh. So oh, I know. stuff like that. I know deeply about pivot tables <laughs> as a former strategy consultant. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. But like most people don't know what pivot tables are yeah. and Airtable makes it easy to do it. And you wouldn't even know you're doing a pivot table. You'd just be like, oh, that's a handy little thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wade, I hope you have not you know, incepted me with this new desire that's just going to result in 10 or 20 bucks a month departing (laughs) my wallet continually. I'm a sucker for, I I love tools that help me do more and I'm very easily justify their expenditure. Like, well, if this saves me just six minutes a month, it's a bargain. (laughs) And maybe it is. Well, hopefully with things like Zapier and Airtable, (laughs) we're doing more than six minutes a month. Hopefully uh, we're, we're digging into the hours and and days a month uh, territory. (laughs) That's right. That's just how I persuade myself. It will surely be more than six minutes. And that's all it would need to be based on these parameters. Totally, yes. (laughs) Okay, so Airtable is handy. Any other tools leap to mind? You know, Airtable is great. I think tools like Typeform or Wufoo are really popular these days for collecting forms. 
Yeah, tight form's really slick. You know, there's another up-and-comer coming up called Coda that's been pretty interesting. I've seen a lot of people playing around with. Like a musical Coda, C-O-D-A? Yeah, C-O-D-A. So it's a document software. So the cool thing about Coda is if you spell it backwards, it's a doc. Uh-huh. So we'll inside kick trip. Coda.io. Yeah, Coda.io. So it's like a Google Doc, but similar to Air, like how Airtable is like a spreadsheet, it's so much more under the hood. Um, and you can do all these like cool little macros and like nifty things that make your doc more living and breathing and auto updates based on other project software that you work with. Um, so it's, it's, you know, one of those ones that if you're kind of, uh, if you fashion yourself to be kind of on the cutting edge of, of new things, I'm seeing a lot of folks play around with Coda these days. All right. Well, while we're talking about project management and stuff, do you have a point of view on Monday.com versus Asana versus the others? You know, I don't have a strong point of view. You see Monday, you see Asana, you see Trello. Then you see stuff more on the personal side, like Todoist or, or maybe a... OmniFocus. Yeah, OmniFocus. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So stuff like that. Honestly, I think people work in different ways. So whatever works for you, like each of these tools have their own little design paradigms and ways that like you approach this stuff. I think what's more important is that you find habits that you can stick to. And if the software helps you stick to that habit, that's probably the one you should do. Yes. And if the software gets in the way because you're always tinkering and fiddling and formatting (laughs) and customizing because your dorky little productivity sensibilities are firing off. And in a way that's fun, you know, if that makes work more delightfully enjoyable. But I have at times saying, wait a minute, this is actually counterproductive. It's a bit of a form of procrastination, right? Exactly. I've got my (laughs) formatting just perfect now. Oh, anybody know the day's over? (laughs) Yeah. What else can I do before I actually do the thing on my to-do list? (laughs) Certainly. Well, hey, there's one mistake not to make. Any other things you would flag in terms of a warning or a common mistake or failure when folks are trying to optimize and automate stuff? You know, I think one thing that's really easy to get caught up with is the sort of hamster wheel of just going working through your to-do list, like constantly just adding things to your to-do list and continuing to trudge through them. I think the most sort of successful folks that I've worked with do this exercise. I think some of them don't even, it's not really an exercise. Some of them don't even know that they're doing it, but they really have a clear grasp on what it is that they want to do. Like, what is it that they want to achieve over a longer period of time? So they might say, you know, in the next year, I want X, or in the next five years, I want Y, or in the next 10 years, I want to have Z. And then they start to work backwards from that. And then when they look at their to-do list on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, Yeah, there's some stuff that you just kind of got to do to like, you know, make sure that the um, bills get paid and whatnot. But they continually remember what is it that I'm trying to achieve over the long haul. And they make sure that every day they've got some things on their to do list that kind of pushes them forward on that on that rung. Um, And so that way they're not getting stuck in this hamster wheel where, you know, after five years, they look up and go, you know, I've done a lot of work. I've checked a lot of to do's off over the last five years. I haven't really done anything. I haven't really achieved what mattered to me. And so I think doing that just mental exercise of, you know, what is it that I want? What do I want to contribute? What do I want for myself? What do I want to contribute to humanity uh, over the next year? And really understand that uh, is a very important step for optimizing your work. All right. 
Well, Wade, tell me, any final thoughts before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? Let's do some favorite things. Okay, how about a favorite quote? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. And a favorite study? I did a lot of math and science in school, but lately I've been studying uh, a bunch of like writing rhetoric tricks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, example, please. (laughs) So I picked up this book and every week I write a Friday update for the team. And it's like, it's usually just some stuff that's on my mind to help them you know, just better see like the, the, the bigger picture. And the book has like, I don't know, 50 different rhetoric tricks in it. And so every week I'll write the update and then I'll go read one of the rhetoric tricks and then I'll go back through my update and find a way to use it as part of it. So, you know, this week, solipsis was the thing that I was using as part of my Friday update. So I dropped a couple solipsis C's. I don't even know, like some of these things, I don't even know the, the plural of it. Uh, into the into the update. Uh, and then, you know, I use it as a way just to teach the team some little writing tips and tricks uh, throughout the week. <laughs> now, I always get it mixed up. Is Solipsis the one like, don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country? Solipsis is kind of like what is where you would use a single word. It's used with two other parts of a sentence, but then that same word is understood differently in relationship to each other. So for example, they covered themselves with dust and glory. That's a quote from Mark Twain. Well, covered with dust and covered with glory, like that's two different ways to be covered. You're still using the same word covered, but dust is like a physical thing and glory is like more abstract. Yeah, and it feels awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why it has a name and it's used frequently. Yeah. Uh, it's a literary device. Well, well, now we're all wondering what's the name of this book? So the name of this book is um, The Elements of Eloquence. Uh, is the name of the book. It's got a fancy title and everything. There's probably a day for that literary device right there. I'm sure there is. Elements of Eloquence. It has some uh-huh. inter- alliteration in there, yeah. And who's the author? So the author for this book is Mark Forsyth. Oh, right on. Some of my writing friends said, you ought to check this out. It'll help you be more persuasive. It'll help you write cooler things. Uh, and I was like, I li- I'd like to sound more persuasive. I'd like to write cooler things. So I picked it up and I'm having fun with it. Oh, cool. Thank you. So let's see, that's a book. How about a a favorite tool? (laughs) Can I say Zapier? Um, (laughs) You can, but give me another one as well. (laughs) I'll give you another one. So one of the ones I'm really loving right now is this tool called Workona, which is a a Chrome extension that helps you manage all your tabs. So if you're like me, Hmm. uh, you might be a tab hoarder where you'll have, you know, tens, maybe dozens of tabs open at the same time, but they're all disorganized and you can't find the tab that you want. Well, Workorno helps you like organize your tabs based on projects. So, you know, for example, if you were trying to plan a wedding and you had a set of tabs for weddings, you could put that into one workspace. You had another set of tabs that was for, you know, meal planning. Maybe you put those in a different uh, workspace. Then if you got a set of tabs for this project you're doing at work, that would go in a different workspace. So as you switch back and forth between contexts, you can pop open those set of tabs all at once rather than keeping you know, all the tabs for all those projects open at the same time. Whoa. So it's kind of like I can bookmark a site, but that'll take me to one site. But with Workona, I can sort of save a Chrome window collection of tabs. You got it. So it's like when I need to get down to business and, you know, decide what goes in the podcast episode, open up my Google Drive on my podcast files and then open up 
in my media schedule in a Google Sheet on another tab and then open up my email with Superhuman on a third tab and it could just save that for me. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and when you think about how you do work, at least how I do work, it's often uh, thematically the same. So it's like when I sit down to do this set of things, I always have these windows open up. Um, but if I'm doing a different task, it's a different set of windows. And so I can save those workspaces and come back to them really quick, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. All right, cool. Workona, W-R-O-K-O-N-A. You got it. Cool. And how about a favorite habit? My favorite habit, honestly, is this is my cornerstone habit. It's my exercise habit. So I at 530, I'm usually heading to the gym to play racquetball or do some weightlifting. And uh, it, everything feeds off of this habit. I... Uh, exhaust myself at the end of a day. It takes my mind off of work. I come home and I'm able to eat dinner and get a good night's sleep because I'm exhausted from working out hard. Then I wake up early in the morning, fresh and resilient for the next day's, uh, you know, uh, things that I have to do. So that that exercise habit is really important for me. Mm -hmm. And is there a particular nugget you share with your teams and those you collaborate with that really seems to connect and resonate with them? You know, our set of values that we have as a company are probably the things that resonate deeply. So we have things like default to action, default to transparency, empathy, no ego, uh, growth through feedback, and don't be a robot, build the robot are our set of core values. These are things that we use in part of our hiring process. We use it as part of our performance reviews. And it really, like, we even have like react emojis inside of Slack to sort of illustrate when people are, you know, operating with the values in mind. Um, and these things, uh, it's, it's just become a part of our DNA uh, and it resonates with everyone that works at Zapier. Boy, don't be a robot, build the robot is a great mantra, <laughs> even if you're not building automation software. Yeah. But it's like, no, seriously, don't do the same process hundreds of times over. Find a means by which that could be automated. And maybe I heard someone say it, hey, if your definition of automation can include other people who are not you, Mm -hmm. you know? So for example, if a job could be done by someone in a lower cost nation, for example, or someone who, you know, has a lower cost of labor because, you know, they're an intern or, you know, don't have a college degree because it's not necessary, that that could be handy too if you build a process that has a lot of sort of software automation as well as, other people, such that you're bringing down the total time load and cost load to the organization and yourself to make it done. So that follows up with that mindset shift of not how am I going to do this, but rather how is this going to get done? Totally. And by building a robot or the systems and processes. You bet. That's going to stick with me. Thank you. And (laughs) um, if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where'd you point them? Come check out Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. You can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm pretty active there at Wade Foster. And uh, my email is not too hard to find. So if you're really keen on uh, getting in touch with me, email is always a good uh, way too. Mm -hmm. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? I think just go get it. Go automate this stuff. Go find ways to work better. Um, You know, what are you listening to us for? Uh, Go make it happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, Wade, this has been a ton of fun. I wish you and Zappy your tons of luck and keep on rocking. Yeah, thanks for having me, Pete. I really, really loved Wade's perspective on shifting your mindset from how am I going to do this to how does this get done? Sometimes shifting the focus of the question makes a world of difference in terms of the opportunities you see. Maybe you could ask someone else to do it. Maybe you could 
get some automation software tools up on it. Maybe you could find a completely alternative way to achieve that objective. So not just how do I do this task or how does this task get done, but how does this goal get accomplished? So I just think that's powerful because often when you feel like, oh my gosh, I got too much to do. Ah, the brain, the stress, it kind of limits and constricts new ideas and options in terms of I got to hammer and execute this boom, 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 boom. But Wade has just a great pro tip. I I recommend that you tackle that every time you're gazing at your to-do list and you may be delighted to see the new ideas that come to light, the time that gets saved. And that's really cool. Whether you end up using any of the super cool tools that we really dorked out about at length or not, I think that mindset alone can serve you well. But also be thinking about anytime you're doing something mindless with a software program, stop to think, hmm, there's probably a way the software can do this for me if I use a tool like Zapier or get a programmer or or somehow such that time can get saved. And I'm a huge advocate for this. Like if you can save like three minutes a week on something, well, that's like two and a half hours a year. And that's really substantial, maybe multiple years. So you get the idea of how math and multiplication works. But cool stuff from Wade. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to Adams we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep466 or just tap that inside your podcast app and under episode or show notes or description. And you can catch that that away. I hope you'll push subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. It is Paul Durham. Paul is a very accomplished musician and he has some perspectives on really getting to the bottom of your desires and passions and strengths and interests and journaling. And it's just a fun take from another side of the brain, which I think you'll find enriching. So I hope to catch you there. And peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.